Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death, UFOs, and other creepy, Cults. weird, random shows. There you go. Yeah. Not uh, just naming things in the room. Oh my god. There's a cult of ghosts. Welcome to Middle Age and Mediocre, the first Middle Age and Mediocre of 2023. 23 Jordan. Ooh, it's the year of Michael Jordan. Yep. The year of our Lord and Savior, Michael Jordan. I'm going to gamble a lot. According to some, though, he was not no. as good as Muxy Bokes. <laughs> but we won't get into that. No, That's no. neither here it's not Halloween. nor there. Yeah, it's not Halloween. We don't need that kind of negative energy floating no. around us. What's going on, man? New oh. year, new you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, man, it's for real. I'm uh, I'm living the good life. Oh, I yeah? got my car inspected. Okay. So for the first time in like 13 months, I'm actually legal driving around. Good deal. <laughs> I, mean, I got pretty lucky. Never got pulled over. But yeah, I had to get new brakes, all new uh, tires and brakes on my car, mm-hmm. which costs money. Though they do ask for money in return for those <laughs> things. So then the guy's like, uh, he's like, yeah, and then I'll just throw the inspection off for free. So I got the $14 inspection for free. <laughs> But yeah, now I'm, just, way to start now I'm just driving by, flipping off cops. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I mean, respect I respect them. them, you know. But just, just as a, you know, just to let them know that I'm not scared. Right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving clean. I drove for years without a inspection sticker yeah, fuck on it. my truck. I figured, like, I got pulled over before for it, and they're always like, "Well, they'll give you like two weeks to get the inspection sticker, and then you don't have to." Well, did, I mean, that's what they did. Did any me. of the cops tell you to like just take the sticker off? No, I that's what the cop told me. He's like, yeah. "You're better off if you just don't have one." Oh, right. and I went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and then as soon as I got home, I scraped it off, and I was like, "Never having one of those again." Yeah, I, I, my, my uh, theory is post pandemic, they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, bigger fish to fry, maybe. I was wanting to get pulled over during the COVID thing, like when it was like really, you know, <laughs> yeah, like people actually still cared, and I was just like, I wonder if it would work if I just started coughing my fucking head off. And, like, as soon as he goes to, like, ask me to roll the window down, just start, like, almost coughing till I'm puking. Yeah. Like, coughing in his direction. Like, but then I was like, he may arrest me for, like, assault on an officer. Yeah, or shoot you. Or shoot me. <laughs> well, I'm white, so I think I'd be safe. Yeah. I'm white, and I look kind of like a country boy, so yeah. I would be... I would be safe. I'm, like, one of the good ones, you know you, what I mean? You, you do like to drive around with your cowboy hat on. I do. I do. <laughs> I have a cowboy hat somewhere. I know you do. But I'm, pr- I'm proud of you. Well, I mean, it is a new year, new yeah. you, because you, uh, almost, you're a very laid back guy. Like, no, I am. I will say that you know one thing about you that I that I could uh, say with 100 certainty certainty is Joel's a chill dude. Yeah, I try. You know, he stays cool. You know, doesn't worry about things. Just uh-huh. not confrontational. No, definitely not. But apparently. <laughs> 2023 joel is looking to scrap yeah you said you almost fought a man oh yeah i forgot about this um it was uh tuesday or wednesday going to work but i was uh you know uh, listeners won't understand this but you well i was like here across the bridge the south side Uh and it goes from where it goes from like one lane and then there's a light and then you go from the light to the bridge which opens up to two lanes yeah 
So there's like this like little station wagon on the right-hand side lane, and he was stopped from the light. It just turned green. So I just scooted over in the left lane, went past him, got back in front of him. You know, the bridge is long. Yeah. I had plenty of space. I didn't, like, cut him off or anything. So you're, I get up to the red light. You're legally allowed to yeah, pass Yeah, people. that's my prerogative. Yeah. You know, I did it nice and safely. So now I'm at the red light waiting, like, to turn right on red. Because you're headed to work. Yeah, I'm okay. headed to work. It was the first thing in the morning. And I'm, like, you know, watching for traffic and stuff, trying to make sure that, you know, I'm not pulling out in front of anybody. This guy starts honking behind me. How dare you get in front of him? Yeah, so I, like, look at the rear view, and he's, like, gesturing with his hands. So I turn around. I'm not really mad yet. You know, so I, like, just, like, meh, like, do the shoulder shrug. And so then I, like, wait even longer. Well, yeah. Because I'm, like, fuck you. I'll wait till his light turns green before I go. Yeah. So now we're hanging out here. Yeah, so then I finally go. And uh, it turns into a road that's also two lanes, so mm-hmm. I get in my lane. And I'm waiting for him to come up beside me, and he won't do it. He's, like, lagging behind. I mean, I'm probably going, like, 15 miles an hour yeah. in, like, a 35, you know? So he's going way slow, and I'm, like, waving him up with my arm because I wanted to talk to him. You're in the fuck around and find out speed. Yeah, I was like, I wanted to see, like, what this guy was honking at me about. Yeah. You know? So and he won't come up. He won't, like, come up to me. So then we get to the next light, and I could have had it because it was green, you know, coming up, but I was going so slow. So I stopped, and he's, of course, in the lane right beside me, and I roll my window down, and I'm just staring over as he pulls up and stops. It's like his old, old fuck face. <laughs> and uh, he probably had a fucking Let's Go Brandon sticker somewhere uh, on that car. I don't tattooed know. Tattooed on his wreck. But he just started, he was like, you're the reason there's so many wrecks, which I've been in one wreck my entire life, yeah. but that was completely the other person's fault. Like, I'm, you know, borderline defensive driver. Like, right. I'm not, because that's not safe either, to be too, too defensive. But I just, that, I don't know, I, he just set me off. So I was like, uh, I was just like, fuck, he was like, you sped right around me. I was like, you were at the light, dickhead. I was like, I went around you. I was like, and then. Did you say dickhead? Yeah, probably. Yes. Oh, I probably called him everything, man. I was like. So dickhead then, is so good. Because I talked about his dick later, so I mean, maybe dick uh-huh. was flowing that morning. So I was like, I was like, that's why I was at the red light not going, because I didn't want to pull out in front of cars. Like, I was, like, I was trying to explain to him I was a safe driver. Yeah. And I did the, <laughs> just started telling him he was giving real little dick energy. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but I thought it. Then I, like, made the little tiny dick, like, you know, gesture with my thumb and finger. Yeah. And then I invited him to follow me to work, and we could talk about it a little bit more. Uh-huh. But he didn't want to. And then, so I just rolled my window up, and I was like, fuck this guy, and I just steamed about it. I couldn't believe it, like, when you texted me that. Like, when you, the first text you said, like, you know, you're like, I almost fought an old man or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, like, you know, you had, like, there was, like, nothing actually happened. Yeah, I didn't say anything to him. But then once you went on to be like, oh, yeah, no, I was like, hey, meet me in the fucking parking lot, bro. (laughs) You want to do this? You want to go? Like hat backwards. Yeah, I, I you know, I, man, I don't know if Taking I would. rings off. I don't know if I would have hit him, but I wanted to. <laughs> like, don't honk at me and call me unsafe, buddy. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> proud of you. I'll prove how safe I am by beating your old ass. <laughs> Fuck that old man. If you're listening out there, you little, <coughs> you little. Oh, uh, I just want to see him again. He had glasses on, so he may even be a patient. That was my grandpa. <laughs> White station wagon? No. License plate JK. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have the license plate. Address. Oh, he has two kids. Yeah, nine to six o'clock. Here's his entire family tree. Look, I've maybe Facebooked him a couple times. All right. But yeah, like I'm pretty chill until you know you uh, you make me non-chill. This the only other time I have ever seen you non-chill. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, so we don't need to rehash it. I don't need you to be angry. <laughs> Why would you bring it up? <laughs> but it's, 
The guy I at can't even listen. the flea market. <laughs> was it a poster or was it? It was, was it a, a poster, poster of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm the guy that's the and you, were, on. you were so mad. You were like telling the people in Napoli's about it. Like, <laughs> your food, I think. Uh, Just move on. Only, only other time I've ever seen you upset. <laughs> So yeah, I you know I'm I like the 2023 Joel. I like the more aggressive, <laughs> yeah, confrontational yeah. Joel. Uh, but gotta, I mean, you gotta stand up for yourself every now and then. If a, if somebody doesn't know you though, like you're a big dude. Uh-huh. I mean, you're six two, six, six one, six two, six, two. Yeah, like you know, bearded. You got some tats, oh, unless yeah. you, your arms are covered up, or I don't know. <laughs> I peeled them off. But I mean, like, no, I mean, like, you got a hoodie oh. now, so you couldn't see that. But, like, if uh-huh. you had your, like, arms out with, like, tattoos, you got a beard, you're a big dude. Like, yeah, I don't think people would want to fuck with you. I work out. And then people, like, know you, though, and they're like, oh, I mean, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like a sweet, he's a sweetheart. He's yeah. Like, so, but yeah, I, I think it's hilarious that you were about ready to throw down with an old man in the parking lot. That's some shit I would do. At work! That's some shit that makes me feel good about myself. You're rubbing, like, off, you're rubbing off all over me. I'm not the only psycho out there on the road. I hide it better. You do. Bit, you yeah. hide it a lot better. Thank you. Because I still, I assume that one day I will be shot. Uh, I mean, that guy could have a gun. That's what I thought afterwards. Like, I'm glad that guy didn't just have a gun. Yeah. I think that would have just made me madder. <laughs> I think I definitely How like, dare like, you really me a gun I feel like I was like oh so you do have a little dick Good I feel like that would Legitimately be my response If a guy pulled a gun on me yeah. I would be like How fucking dare <laughs> Fuck you Fuck you yeah. Fuck you You loser Yeah You're gonna pull a gun I would be so mad about it And then they shoot us Right in the face Yeah Yeah <laughs> <laughs> But I would die angry How I, dare you I'd die the way I lived yeah. You know what I mean Yeah <laughs> Uh, Incredulous is that the word? <laughs> but before we do get it's like so, keeping on like to kind of go the other side of the coin there, like New Year, New Me, You, yeah. Us. We talked in the last episode about having a more positive outlook on things. Sure. We quickly decided How? that wasn't us. It yeah. wasn't going to happen. However, <laughs> I would like to put out there into the world that, uh, and maybe this is just me. Maybe this is just coming from me. So maybe I don't speak. For you on the show, but I think you will agree with me here. We need to encourage more kindness in the world. Yeah. Just random acts of kindness. Uh, if you're listening and you're a fan of our show, if you like us, just do something nice for someone. It doesn't have to be a huge grand gesture. Do, do something nice for me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> do a nice thing for a stranger. Yeah. Just be a nice person. Uh, lately, there's just been, I've encountered too many just shitty human beings and there's no need for it yeah like i feel like it takes more effort to be an asshole than if someone's an asshole you give that energy back to no them. yeah i will yeah but no, yeah, yeah. If they haven't been an asshole yet you know you're maybe maybe yeah just be nice hold the door for somebody that's what i feel like just want to put that out there like i feel like we can be our negative selves maybe i'm rubbing off on you we're rubbing off on each other <laughs> we're starting to somehow make each other more it's like a big old circle jerk right it now but well, i was in uh you're the yin to my yang i've started unfortunately like i hate going there because i hate supporting them but i've been going to hobby lobby lately uh-huh. because it's the easiest place to buy art supplies and things and uh and they had a very specific thing that my mom wanted so i got it for her for her birthday so I kind of had to go there. But while I was there... What a weird name. Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Like, isn't a lobby something that you wait in before you, you go in. into something else? 
Yeah. So what the fuck? Well, you're waiting for to get into heaven. <laughs> so that is a lobby for Hobby heaven? Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Oh, yeah, they're big on their heaven. Is a waiting room for heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, they love Jesus. Cool. That's their whole thing. Huh. Uh, they don't like contraception um, or, uh, you know. I'm going to fuck someone raw dog in there just to show Abortions them. or anything like that or like women's rights. They don't like oh, that. Oh, man. But they love Jesus. They love money, right? Anyways. <laughs> uh, like, I've always kind of had my suspicions that, like, I felt like probably the clientele there were the worst uh, because I figured it was mostly just white Christian women. Uh-huh. And I, I'm pretty sure after, like, a few experiences of being in there now that I am correct in that. <laughs> and the last time I was in there, uh, I had a – I go up to the counter – and there's just, you know, one counter open. I have three things that I'm buying. Three small items. Uh, as I'm putting them on the counter, a lady behind me, exasperated, looks at oh, another employee who's cleaning some stuff up. Yeah. And goes, is there another register open or do I have to wait? And You're I, in the lobby, ma'am. This is, <laughs> that's what it's for. I turned and gave her, like, just... The shittiest look I could possibly give another human being. Yeah. And then the other employee that was cleaning goes, um, this is the only one right now, but give me a second. I'll get another one open. I'll call someone to open up another one. Yeah. And I turned to look the, to the woman, and I was like, yeah, because God forbid you have to wait for more than five seconds. <laughs> and she went, what? And I was like, just chill. And then I went back to what I was like finishing my Women love to be told to just chill. Just the look on her, like... <laughs> Just the worst. See, you could have been nice and just let her go go in front of you. If I had, well, if she hadn't been shitty, if yeah. she, you know, she proved to be. An but again, I have three small things. It's yeah. not like I'm like got a cart full <laughs> yeah. of shit. You'll like, be gone too. Yeah, give me. It's Ugh. gonna be a minute. Like her hobby is not patience. Ugh. Anyways, we're going to uh, get let into it. Let it go, a, Josh. I've already let, let it go. Let it go, buddy. It's gone. Uh, we're going to do a quick update on the, uh, Moscow, Idaho, America uh, stabbings. Yeah. The one in America. Yep. Uh, since we last talked about it, um, they have arrested a suspect, taken a suspect into custody on Friday, December 30th. And they got him there back. They got him back to uh, Utah. He waived his yeah. expert. What's it called? Uh, expedition rights. Not an expiration right. Because that means he's dead. Yes. He needs to be. They got him in uh, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Yeah, up in the mountains. Up in the mountains. Pine Bluffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, on December 30th, 28-year-old 20, Brian Koberger was arrested and charged with four counts of murder and one count of felony burglary. Uh, he appeared in a Pennsylvania courtroom on January 3rd and waived his extradition to Idaho, meaning he had voluntarily agreed to return to the state to face the charges against him. He was transported back to Idaho on January 4th. Uh, since then, quite a bit of new information has come out, and some previous information has been made a bit more clear. The most interesting to me is uh, the information concerning one of the surviving roommates. Uh, her name is Dylan Mortensen. When we first talked about this story... I had my suspicions of the roommates yep. uh, because I thought it was crazy to think that, you know, two people slept through Four stabbing people death. Four people murdered. Of, yeah. yeah. And then after um, I kind of looked more into it and I kind of saw how the place was structured and everything, I kind of took that back. 
and thought, you know. Are you flip flopping again? I'm flip flopping again. Wow! You're like a fish out of water right now, just flip flopping back and forth. I'm like a politician. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we can get political here. Um, <laughs> Please don't. She's. Okay, so. Okay. Um, initially, like, the second time we talked about this, I had kind of seen, like, what was the initial information provided about the layout of the house, yeah. like, where people's bedrooms were. So, initially, uh, it's made it seem like Dylan and Beth, they were the two surviving roommates, that their bedrooms were both on the first floor, uh, and that then Xana, uh, Kernodal, and her boyfriend Ethan Chapin were on the second floor, and then Madison Mogan and Kaylee Goncalves were on the third floor. And really, the first floor was kind of underground a little bit, right? It was like, so the first street floor level sits on street level, yeah. and then the second and third floors are like... A hit, there's a hill. Yeah. They're up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now it's come out that Dylan's bedroom is on the second floor, oh. along with Xana's. So it's Beth on the first floor, Dylan and Xana on the second, uh, Madison and Kaylee on the third. So uh, according to what Dylan told police, she woke up around 4 a.m. to what sounded like Kaylee uh, playing with her dog on the third floor of the home. Originally, the information was that the dog was in a whole separate room, yeah, um, locked away. Turns out, no, he was actually in the room with uh, Kaylee and Madison. Oh. Um, so, but she said she woke up around 4 a.m., sounded like Kaylee playing with the dog. Uh, she then heard Kaylee say, I think there's someone here. Um, police say that this could have been um, Xana. Who said that because she received a DoorDash order from Jack in the Box around 4 a.m. And phone records show that she was on TikTok at 4.12 a.m. So the murder murders happened sometime after yeah. 4.12 at least. Um, <sighs> so then... That's some fucking stone cold drunk munchie getting Jack in the Box at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, that's not part of any sort of diet plan. No, but here one is that our buddy? But big props to Jack of the Box for being open all night. Yeah, uh, college town. You like know, that. some of us need you at four a.m. <laughs> um, Hardee's used to be open like that. They might the the, the, the Street one still is. Yeah, but the the lounge, the lobby. Yeah, the, the hobby. That was my hobby lobby. Yeah. <laughs> Hardee's a Saturday at four a.m. Coming home from the club. Yeah, you go to the drive-through still, but and I think, that's not the same. I don't know if the McDonald's down there. You don't see someone around. you know. You like where were you? You're just drunk yelling inside Hardee's. The workers look like they all want to kill you. I need some curly fries. <laughs> curly fries! And then they got rid of the curly fries. I know. So what are you supposed to get? <laughs> Can you curl them just for me? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Curl them. So. Sorry. She said then she, uh, she said she opens her bedroom door, looks outside of the door, like, you know, doesn't see anything. Yeah. So then. A few seconds later, um, she opens, or then a little bit later, she opens the door a second time when she heard what sounded like crying coming from Xana's bedroom. And she heard a male voice say something, something to the effect of, it's okay, I'm going to help you. Uh, the affidavit says a neighbor's security footage picked up audio at 4.17 a.m. of what sounded like a voices or a whimper followed by a loud thud and a dog barking. Oh. So it sounds like... Shit went down around 4.17 a.m. Um, Dylan says that then she opened her door for a third time after hearing the crying, 
and reportedly saw a man in black clothing and a mask walking towards her. But, like, I don't know if he didn't see her or yeah. what, but then she watched him walk out the backsliding glass door and leave. Then she says she was in a frozen, like, state of shock, and she closed her door and locked it. So, okay. I understand being frozen in shock because you're seeing someone you don't recognize, but... You just heard the cry. You heard... You heard one of your roommates say, I think somebody's here. Then you hear what sounds like somebody crying and a voice you don't recognize saying, it's okay, I want to help you. You hear a loud thud. You see a person you don't recognize leaving the house. I get All going, dressed in black with a mask With a mask on. on. All the cops. I totally get going back in your room yeah. and locking the door. Yeah. That makes sense. I even get, maybe not initially, calling the police because maybe it's nothing. Like, because there was people coming in and out. But you don't text the other roommates yeah. to be like, hey, what's up? Is everything okay? Someone have a masked man over? You don't do anything? So, And then, reportedly, they didn't find the bodies until the af- the next the next afternoon. Yeah. So she just went back to bed for eight, eight hours? When she got her belly full. She's not the one that ordered DoorDash. Oh. Oh, no, okay. So, I, so now I'm... I'm under the belief, this is my theory only, this is not, you know, police saying this or anything, I think Dylan and this, uh, what's his name again, um, Brian, are involved somehow. Yeah. I think they know each other, I think, because the first thing he said when he was arrested was, have you picked up anybody else for this yet? Yeah. So, I think there's a connection there, um... And I think she's somehow involved because I don't understand how this goes down and you don't, like, you can tell Someone else was in the room with her, too, so why wasn't the other person was like... No, they're on the the first floor. Oh, okay. Dylan's in her own room by herself. Okay, okay, okay. But Xana's right on the same floor in in her room with Uh, Ethan. Yeah. Beth's on the first floor in her bedroom. Uh... Madison and Kaylee are upstairs on the third floor in their room. So they killed the two sets of people that were in the same room. Yeah, they and killed left the two single bed people. Yeah. Wow. So and then I I could be wrong about this, but uh, whenever she heard somebody saying it's okay, I'm going to help you. Uh, I'm wondering if like he didn't make Xana stab Ethan. Like was saying like you know telling her. To stab him or whatever, and be like, it's all right. I'll help you do it. Yeah. Like I don't know. Like it's just me creating a story around what was said. But yeah, like there's something. It just doesn't make any sense. Like I, like I said, I totally get going back into your room and maybe not immediately calling the police. Yeah. But if he wasn't wearing a mask, maybe. But if she's saying that she saw a masked dude in the house. Like, that's just so weird. Like, how do you not text one of them? Yeah. Just, hey, hey, are you guys okay? Like, what was that that loud thud? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'm very interested as more details come out as to what's going on. But they do have him in custody. Um, He's apparently a criminology student. uh, student. He's got, like, a PhD. Yeah. from what I've read, people theorize that he was trying to like basically commit the perfect murder uh-huh. or perfect crime. 
Um, he's super interested in serial killers. He's got. I bet he's seen Dexter. He's probably seen Dexter a couple times. Uh, it looks like Dennis Reynolds. Yeah, a little bit. Dead eyed. Dead eyed. So yeah, as we get like, I'm sure every week we'll have some new information um, on this case. Uh, but I'm calling it now. She's involved somehow. So whenever it turns out to be true. I would like to go ahead and be hired on as a uh, as a uh, FBI profiler. Yeah. Or they, hi- they hired Monk. They hired Monk, for God's sake. Yeah. And I don't have the weird OCD thing. <laughs> I've seen that, too. I just need to be told things. I mean, things. I've seen Monk, Dexter, <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. <coughs> Psych. I'm out here solving stuff. I've watched Psych. I've watched the first season Probably of Probably six, seven times. The I've whole thing. The fir- I've only watched the first season. I could definitely hold my hand up to my <laughs> head and say things like I'd I'm, probably poke my eye out. I can't do it. I'm trying. <laughs> well, I'll need you to be my Gus and your okay. bald head. I can use. Oh. That's what he would do He when yeah. he needed more power. Don't touch my head. It's, you can have a it's hat sweaty. On. You can it's wear a sweaty. hat. Okay. I can still conduct. All right. Yeah. I'll still be sweaty through the hat. That's what we need, though. Middle-aged mediocre solving crimes for real. For real. For real, 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 real. All right. Uh, let's take let's take an ad break. Yeah, okay. And then uh, we'll be back with. I'm, I'm gonna take a nap. With a story about drugs, man. Cool, dude. We're back. You lied. It did hurt. You said it wouldn't hurt. Well, it hurt. It didn't hurt that much. It didn't hurt you. It didn't hurt me at all. Man, I'm fine. You'll make it. You'll survive. Just put some lotion on it later. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to talk about drugs. We're going right. to talk about uh, fentanyl in particular. Fentanyl? Yeah. Never done it. Good. Keep it that way. I don't think so, anyway. So, we're going to talk about a uh, kind of a, a particular case. Um, this was from the Washington Post uh, on December 13th, 2022. When a... De- December? December, yeah, just last, oh, that was just last month. month. Yeah, this was uh, this is like my story from 2022. This is like a year in review. All right, bonus. I mean, that's my gimmick, but whatever. <laughs> Fuck me, I guess. Uh, a DEA agent tracked the source of fentanyl. I think in, it's called Dia. A Dia agent. Yeah, there you tracked go. the source of fentanyl in Mormon country. It was a Mexican cartel. Oh, so Mexican Mormons. <laughs> heads up, because you're gonna laugh and giggle a lot. <laughs> Uh, when I say some of these names, uh-huh. I can't help but put a little bit of a flair and accent on them. Yeah. This is the way you got to say it. Okay. So, just, so, uh, so um, Brady Wilson, one of just two. What I didn't it? hear anything. That sounded pretty that normal. That was normal. Brady Wilson. So what, are we say, what are we calling it? Dia? <laughs> you can say DEA. He's one it's of a just really bad joke. two drug enforcement administration agents <laughs> in southern Utah. Uh, had, had been begging his bosses for more cash. Uh, he felt like he was on a big case, uh, a window into how Mexican organized crime had penetrated suburban America. He said it was just a gut feeling he had. Uh, a Mexican cartel, he suspected, had set up shop in St. George, Utah. So Wilson, he's a bald fella. He's a trim 42-year-old guy, though. Your typical-looking... Uh, DEA, DEA agent. You remember, you know the actor, uh, you'd see him if you knew him, but Mark Hunt. I don't know him by name. He's in, like, he plays like. You ever seen Mike Hunt? <laughs> Have you? Have you? It's gross. <laughs> uh, 
He plays like a, he's a bald dude. Uh, he plays every cop ever. <laughs> wow. You'll, as soon as you see him, you'll know. But he, know this guy looks a lot like him. Um, but he was operating out of an unmarked building across the street from a car wash. Uh, St. George, Utah is a city of about 100,000 people surrounded by jagged red rock cliffs and waves of cookie-cutter suburbs. Uh, not the kind of place you would look at and think was a outpost for Mexican drug traffickers. And however, synthetic drugs had arrived there as much as they had in any other small city and rural areas across the United States, uh, abruptly and with immediate devastating impact. In Utah, fentanyl overdose deaths had increased 300% over a three-year period, killing 170 people in 2021, according to the state health department. Mexican criminal groups have become experts in producing fentanyl and meth across the border. Why would you make something that just kills people? You're killing off your... your uh... I suppose because you're always going to keep getting... Uh... There's more people addicted. Um, your clientele, you're killing them off. Uh, so Brady Wilson knew uh, that... Uh, the drug was in high demand in that area, and he knew like there was money to be made in places like the small towns. Yeah. So in early 2020, he got his first tip. Uh, someone walked up to the FBI field office in St. George with a claim that appeared to leap from his own subconscious. Uh, the message was, you've got a major player in your area who has significant ties to Mexico. According to the informant, a Mexican man was running a drug distribution, distribution ring from a small ranch on the edge of St. George. Wilson and other federal law enforcement officials launched an investigation, uh, and they learned just how deeply Mexican cartels have penetrated the heartland of America. Uh, at first, the, their work... I bet it's a deep penetration. Uh, first, their work was tedious. They conducted stakeouts in strip mall parking lots. They interviewed uh, detained drug dealers, but they weren't really getting any evidence that would help them advance the case. Then, in 2021, they made a breakthrough... They traced a shipment of drugs to Angel Rubio Quintana, a 41-year-old from uh, Micahocan, Mexico. He had been deported years earlier, but he had returned to southern Utah, where his relatives had a popular fast food restaurant known for its burritos and carne asada. Sounds delicious. Yes. He was a short, chubby man with a goatee. Uh, he shepherded his four children around St. George in a used SUV. They posed for photos in front of the mall, in front of the Christmas tree, in front of a flower shop. If I see someone posing for a picture in front of a mall, I'm going to move my car. Drug cartel. Yep. Point out and say that. Yeah, why else would you be posing for pictures? Oh, at the mall, let's get a picture. Because you're dealing drugs and you're trying to look normal. I know. That shit ain't normal. Seen it a million times. Nobody stands in front of a mall. Takes a picture. Yeah. What's that time you've been in a mall if you're just going to the What's that time you took a selfie? I took a picture in front of a mall come on mall mall why are you standing in front of that mall like that <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um so uh it didn't take long for them to get uh, contact information on him he sold used cars in front of his in-laws mexican restaurant and he would like put his phone number on the windshields like i mean it just there's his you know so yeah. there's his contact info like they know his phone number they know where it he could be a crazy good deal <laughs> yeah uh they found out where he was living he uh, was living in one of, like, the really nice suburbs, like, you know, really kind of wealthy suburb. Uh, the You know, streets were lined with American flags and pickup trucks, just your normal, you know, 
pretty sure. American town. It was actually pretty close to where uh, Brady Wilson had his own home. So he needed to learn how Rubio was running the operation and figure out if they could build a strong enough case against him uh, to kind of pick up the entire trafficking ring. So the evidence started pouring in. Um, agents purchased a large load of meth from Rubio. Uh, it arrived in a five-pound tub of sour cream called La Crema Mexicana. The agents wondered whether there was a connection between the extended family's restaurant and Rubio's drug trade. Like, were they in on it, too? Yeah. Uh, the tub of sour cream solved one of... You go there and order, like, four upside-down eggs, and you, and you get, get four upside-down <laughs> eggs. If you order and meth. Some meth. Yeah, if you order meth, you're going to get meth. Uh, the tub solved one of Wilson's problems, which was what to call the investigation. Do you have a guess on what the investigation was called? Taco busted. I don't know. Operation Sour Cream. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, drug trafficking routes. Print up some shirts. Drug trafficking routes through Mexico. Uh, Wilson learned are the product of years of turf wars, shifting alliances, and continually refined smuggling techniques. I've seen Ozark. I know all about show. the Mexican cartel. Great show. Yeah, they'll shoot you right in the face. Yep. I don't give a fuck. Uh, nearly a century after early opium smugglers her, uh, lugged their loads across the head, lugged their loads <laughs> across the Rio Grande, uh, Mexico. I, I, I just like the positive loads. Has been, I, lug I don't like to lug them around, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not sanitary. Uh, so different cartels own different stretches of the border. The Sinaloa cartel has risen to become the world's premier fentanyl produ- producer, uh, the group manufactures fentanyl and meth throughout northwestern Mexico in labs that span the mountains of uh, Culiacan and dot the residential streets of downtown Tijuana. Those drugs are loaded into hidden compartments in cars and trucks and sent across the border into California and Arizona. Uh, what happens? Hide in that shit, man. It's crazy. I watch that show sometimes, like the border or mm-hmm. whatever. Shows yeah, how there. creative they get. Yeah. Uh, what happens once those drugs enter the United States? Has been less clear, however. Um, still really no answer of how involved the cartels are in the actual distribution and sale of the product. Uh, historically, most dealers don't know whose drugs they're actually selling. But with the explosion of fentanyl, uh, which can often be pressed into tiny counterfeit pills <coughs> or mixed into other drugs like cocaine and heroin, the question of how the products arrive at their final destination is pretty important. Uh, just trying to figure out the overall method of how this is happening. Method? See what I did there? Uh-huh. More Americans are dying of drug overdoses than ever before. Uh, it's not weed! Yeah. Smoke but, weed, motherfucker! Yeah, just start using weed, guys. Yeah. So, I know a guy. <laughs> uh, Wilson <laughs> had seen the outlet of that pipeline in Seattle where he got his first job with the DEA. It is easier to say it your way. Yeah. In 2009... Uh, Mexico's two biggest criminal organizations, the Sinaloa Cartel and the Jalisco New Generation Cartel, Cartel, had both operated in the city, ordering up drug shipments directly from their counterparts in Mexico. Uh, From May 23rd through September 8th of this year, 2022 at the time this was written, the Justice Department investigated 35 fentanyl cases with direct links to those two groups. Wilson noted how both cartels established outposts in Seattle as if they were inaugurating a shadow consulate. Uh, the cartels required recruited from within immigrant communities, exploiting recently arrived Hondurans, for example, who were pr- pressured to pay back human smugglers by dealing drugs. So, 
you know, not a bad way to, they don't have really any options. Yeah. So you kind of force them into doing your work for you. As Wilson settled into St. George, Utah, however, Sinaloa-linked busts were being made in unlikely places away from major American cities. Trafficking rings were uncovered in western Pennsylvania and Battle Creek, Michigan. Authorities found one Sinaloa affiliate using a bootleg phone to operate out of a federal prison in Henderson, North Carolina. Damn. Uh, Throughout the 2010s, the closest drug cartel outpost to St. George, Utah was Las Vegas, about a two-hour drive away. Small-time drug dealers transported modest loads, sometimes just a few ounces, from there to southern Utah. Uh, most of our cases were just these local people going to Vegas to pick up an ounce or two, maybe 100 pills, maybe 200, Wilson said. In 2015, the DEA published a map of areas of influence of major Mexican transnational criminal organizations. St. George, Utah wasn't even mentioned at the time. It wasn't a big enough market to even warrant recognition by the cartels. not mentioned. <laughs> But demand for synthetic drugs had increased in southern Utah, uh, just as the supply had surged in Mexico, and St. George uh, became a booming, uh, growing metropolitan area and a booming drug center, basically. Um, When Wilson first arrived in Utah, he, he and his colleagues... We're finding fentanyl everywhere, in pillowcases and glove compartments during routine traffic stops, uh, next to the bodies of overdose victims, once in a plastic bag in a Panda Express bathroom. The drugs that arrived here from Las Vegas were no longer enough. St. George had apparently gotten its first hookup directly to Mexico. That hookup was Angel Rubio. Rubio was no one's idea of a cartel kingpin. He was illiterate. Uh, He was constantly in debt. He can't read none? He can't read none. Damn. Not a one. Uh, his drug business were perpetually short-staffed, so he enlisted his teenage son. Even the front for his operation, a 10-acre ranch on the edge of town, gave the appearance of an amateur because uh, his cows kept escaping and just kind of wandering into the <laughs> suburbs. Uh, and yet his ability to order up drugs from Mex- Mexico was impressive to the agents watching him. At some point in his, middle, in his early middle age, Rubio had connected with the Sinaloa cartel. To begin, their, to begin building their case, uh, federal agents began purchasing larger and larger quantities of drugs from Rubio, Rubio using an undercover buyer to determine the scale of his operation. Uh, we were buying meth at $4,000 a pound, says, uh, said Jay Tinkler, then the top DEA agent in Utah and Wilson's boss at the time. Um, Tinkler pleaded for more government funds to buy more drugs. <laughs> uh, I'm calling my boss and telling him it's a really good case, I'm telling you. I didn't talk to the government about buying more drugs. <laughs> yeah, look, man, that's, I got a great case going on. Yeah. Here. I got eyes on the guy. Um, He's well, talk to me sometimes. I just I hear what they I say. Just, I just know. Help me out. It's a gut feeling. Give me more money. Or For just drugs. give me the drugs directly. I don't yeah. care which way you guys want to do it. Those purchases eventually helped the agents get a court-ordered wiretap on Rubio's phone. Um, and that's kind of how they got the glimpse into the life of his cartel connection. Uh, they had 24-7 surveillance on them, and they had a team of interpreter, interpreters. Uh, Rubio repeatedly called the same two men in Sinaloa, sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, the agents would hear him say, I need buttons, which means fentanyl pills. Or, buttons. Or what if he just really needed buttons? <laughs> I can't leave talking about these pants up. Like, look, I have no buttons for my shirt. Yes. My pants are falling off. I need buttons. I need more buttons. Uh, other times they'd hear him say, I need glass, which is in reference to meth. 
Uh, Rubio also referred to drugs as goats and sheep, according to court documents in the case. Uh, he was hoping that that would go undetected because he literally sold goats and sheep yeah. at his corral. So, um, the small town nature of the investigation also complicated things. Several times, agents ran into Rubio or his associates at the grocery store. Um, luckily, though, he never really, caught put, on. you know, caught on. Yeah. It became it became clear over time that the two men in Mexico. Yeah, that's what it looks like he had buttons to me. He's like, "What? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing, nothing." I'm here you for got eggs. Like six buttons on yeah. that shirt. What do you need more buttons for? <laughs> Your car's not missing his glass. Uh, What'd you say? I say. So it became clear over time that the two men in Mexico were affiliated with the Sonoa cartel. Federal agents and prosecutors referred to them jointly as the Mexican Supply, uh, but their names, which would later appear in federal indictment, were Ramon Higuera Cota and Presiliano Galax Felix. Uh, they could dispatch drugs to St. George rapidly, responding immediately to demand. Um, he wasn't working, like, for the Sinaloa cartel. He just, like, worked with them. He negotiated his own prices. Uh, he would often lowball uh, the two men. The federal agents began to realize that the cartel wasn't operating in St. George under, like, themselves. It was basically just Rubio there. He was running the whole op- the whole yeah, drug operation. He's getting it from the cartel. Yeah. Um, the drugs would arrive a day or two after he's the trying to be the head of the table. Did he learn nothing from Sammy in the bloodline? That's not a- the drugs would arrive a day or two after his orders were placed, uh, crossing the border near San Diego and then moving on to stash houses, often on the outskirts of Los Angeles. Then Rubio would arrange transport to St. George. Uh, he would sometimes lecture the drivers himself. Federal agent said. He'd tell them, bring your kids so it's less obvious. Always get your vehicle serviced so you don't break down. Uh, those cars would travel along what has increasingly become America's main fentanyl path, Interstate 15, which connects Los Angeles to much of the country. Uh, it passes directly through St. George, where signs for real estate are all over the place. Um, when the drugs arrived in St. George, Rubio stashed some of them on the branch that he rented. He hid others in uh, storage units. He left some of it in homes of friends or buried it in his horse corral. His neighbors were mostly, like, white retirees. Yeah. Just old men and women. They started to become a little bit suspicious of him. I'm sure they became suspicious he of him. He probably farmed super him. fast on meth. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, agents installed a camera in the backyard of one of the neighbor's home. Uh, another neighbor, Mark Carell. They just faced the neighbor's house, and they watched him fuck. <laughs> This is hot. This is governmental, okay? We gotta this see is how all you got, official. We gotta see how you guys fuck. Uh, that guy bought night vision goggles so he could keep an eye on the ranch. Because I'm like, these guys, you know, I'm sure they see this Mexican guy. They're like, he's up to something. Oh, yeah. Um, They're probably super nice to him. They're like, ha, 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 I'll be there, neighbors. So. They're like, check the cameras. Uh, they, There was a ton of traffic late at night. Um, this is one of the neighbors was talking. He said, you know, hey, there's a lot of traffic away tonight, a lot of fancy cars. We know something's up. That's just the people coming to see his wife. Yeah. No, I'm so Rubio, I'm just kidding. Rubio and his colleagues, court documents said, pocketed some revenue as profits and wired payments to Mexican sources of supply. Uh, this cycle, ordering from Mexico, picking up from California, distributing in southern Utah, wiring payments back to Mexico resulted in large quantities of narcotics flowing into the local community. Rubio's fentanyl usually arrived in the form of counterfeit oxycodone pills called M30s, about a thousand in a bag. 
worth about $40,000 on the street. Those pills have become increasingly popular and lethal as cartels have tried to cater to drug users with rising tolerances. Uh, Rubio, agents estimate, was selling 20,000 to 30,000 pills a month. An agent recalled one conversation in which Rubio tried to place a fentanyl order and was rebuffed. Uh, we already moved over 25,000 pills yesterday. I need them buttons! <laughs> one of the men in Sanoa said, uh, you should have given me an order. It's already all gone. So they were fucking selling so much of it they couldn't even yeah. keep supply. Uh, but more frequently, the Sinoans appeared, Sinaloans appeared to have an endless supply. Uh, sometimes Rubio's connection would send him thousands more fentanyl pills than he had ordered. Uh, when Rubio asked why traffickers had sent so many pills, he was told not to worry about it. Um... So the average number of fentanyl pills per seizure in Mexico since 2018. So in 2018, there was about 7.8 thousand pills per seizure when the government would make arrests and shit. 2019, it was a little bit below that. 2020, it was still like 25,000. Or it was still uh, about 7, probably about 8.4 thousand. Uh-huh. 2021, it jumped all the way up to about 85, 90,000. Damn! Uh, pills. And then in 2022, there was an average of 117,000 pills per seizure. Just a shitload of fentanyl. Yeah. Um, Rubio was told that he could pay them back once it was sold. Uh, so, like, the cartel's basically pushing drugs because the quantity on the Mexico side. They have so fucking many of them. Yeah. They're making so many. Plus, I mean, kind of puts that guy in their debt. Yeah. Because now he didn't, you know, more pills than what he ordered, what he could probably pay for it, but he's got to work now. Well, and his debt. For the, quartel, for the cartel. Quartel. His debt uh, grew to dangerous levels. Uh, and the men in Mexico began to threaten him. Uh, they would tell him that they're going to come up there, come up to America and hunt him down. Uh, Rubio, though, however, basically would just call them on their bluff. He would <laughs> respond with, this is America. You can't just come here running around with guns. <laughs> like. What? You're not white people. You yeah. don't get to do that. Is what you know, because we're a great country, apparently, from what I've heard. Uh, heard tell he didn't like to be threatened, you know. But whenever he, whenever people didn't pay him on time, he would threaten violence oh, pretty sure. often. Uh, the federal agents who was monitoring those threats in real time, anytime they would hear like a threat being made, uh, they would just kind of send like a routine patrol that in that area, just to make it look like you know, oh, there's just some cops around here, yeah. like just. And that way it would hopefully deter Rubio from doing anything. Um, Rubio had originally moved to the United States more than two decades earlier. One of his first stops was Salt Lake City, where he worked construction. Uh, one day he was buying food at a drive-thru, and a young Mexican woman named Maria de los Angeles Acosta took his order. Uh, eventually the two got married. They had three kids. When people asked her, she described their lives in St. George as peaceful and happy. The city wasn't as crime-ridden as some of the other American cities where Mexican immigrants would typically end up. Um, she would post things on her Facebook all the time with the family and be like, we're you know, so thankful and blessed. Man, um, married the girl from the drive-thru line. Uh-huh. That's every guy's dream. <laughs> That's because, you know, they're, they're trapped right there. Where are they yeah, going to go? Yeah. You know, you, from I what wonder, I've seen, you I can torment them. I wonder if you use the same line that I try. What do you try? So whenever I go, I always order Dr. Pepper. Uh-huh. And the young lady, she hands out the drink. She goes, Dr. Pepper. And I say, my friends call me Joe. Give a little quick wink to her. It's pretty good. And she runs off screaming. Yeah. I mean, it's a good line, though. 
Slash, maybe that's what he used. I'm a little moist. <laughs> maybe they were like, here's your... He said, I'm... My friends call me Joel. Yeah. Wink. My friends call me Rubio. Rubio. <laughs> On hell. Licked his lips. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he did. That's a good line. Uh, I've heard much creepier. Or do you um, order that? I'll take a... McChicken and a small fry and a side of pussy. Now what? And then they just like bring a girl out to you. When it doesn't work is when like she's just like, "Here's your drink," and you're like, "My friends call me Joel." Wait, (laughs) what did you? (laughs) Wait, could you say? She's like, "You don't have any friends." I'm like, "I don't have any friends." Can you please tell me what my drink is? (laughs) Yeah, you got a soda. Large. Uh, what soda? Uh. (laughs) Doctor, my friends call me Joel. Wink. Wink. I say the word. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wink. <laughs> my f- my best, uh, I don't know if I've told it on this podcast before or not, like, or one of our other, my best and most awkward drive through encounter ever was the time that a girl, a young lady at Burger King <laughs> was like, A uh, burger maiden. <laughs> burger maiden, if you will. A burger queen. Yeah. Uh, well, Sam's got a good queen, but you know, they're much, the queens don't work the drive through. That's true. They're true. maidens. Uh, <laughs> she, was handing, she was handing me, uh, she handed me a drink, you know, and then she's like, I really like your tattoos. And I'm the most awkward human being ever. Yeah. So I said, uh, uh, thanks, they're not mine. <laughs> and then I went, I mean, thanks. And I put my head down, like, please stop talking to me. Who's are they? Yeah, yeah, I did. I don't know what I was trying to say. Uh, so. But this guy marries the drive through girl. Good for him. Yeah. Um, where things turn around for him, I have a feeling. <laughs> you? Yeah, he's going to pay off his debt to the cartel. Get okay. his family free of it all and finally move out of the Ozarks. Let's see. Okay. <laughs> um, so. Uh, his clients in St. George came from a range of backgrounds. Some were the service workers who catered to the tourists passing through the city. Others were locals who thought they were purchasing oxycodone, uh, a prescription drug used to treat severe pain. Demetrio... Getting fucking fentanyl, man. That's just dirty. Demetrio Luke, 22, who worked for a flooring company, died after taking a counterfeit M30 pill in February of 2021. His case drew public attention after his mother began alerting local journalists to the wave of fentanyl in southern Utah that led to her son's death. Uh, She still is not sure whether the pill that killed Luke was trafficked by Rubio or not. The agents faced a particular dilemma with Rubio's fentanyl business, though. If they knew deadly pills were circulating during their investigation, they couldn't sit idly by. So they frequently intervened by buying them through informants. However, this kind of backfired because the more pills they purchased the higher demand could appear to rubio yeah. giving him giving incentive him more, money, to yeah. more so kind of a double-edged Just sword a rusty cocksucker they have to get evidence first though they could oh, keep yeah. building it up so the agents knew that some of their most valuable evidence was against rubio's suppliers in sinaloa uh so they knew arresting higuero coda and galax phoenix was a crucial part of the case those men appeared to be on the front line of the explosion of fentanyl. Aside from the M30 pills, they offered Rubio cocaine and, ma- and meth laced with fentanyl. They t- can I just get the cocaine? Yeah, I, y'all, y'all, you can keep the meth with the fentanyl. I don't need all that shit, you other yeah. shit got. Cocaine? Uh, later, Rubio would tell people that he was merely working for the two men in Sinaloa. He was a small fish, he said. Um, because Higuera Cota and Galax, Fino- Galax Felix were in Mexico, the U.S. agents in Utah couldn't arrest them. 
agents believe that they were exporting fentanyl and meth across much of the southwestern United States, potentially pushing millions of M30s across the border every year. Uh, the agents in Utah share their evidence with Justice Department officials in Washington. Um, they hope the case they had built against the two men in Mexico will lead to their arrest, but that has not happened so far. Mexican officials have not pursued either Higuera Cota or Galax Felix, according to the country's attorney general's office. Uh, that office would not comment on why it had not issued arrest warrants. In St. George, though, federal agents decided they needed to move forward alone. By early 2022, uh, the agents believe they had enough to build a case against Rubio and his associates in the United States. On a bulletin board in Wilson's office, they had mapped the dense web that connected Rubio to his team of dealers and suppliers of Mexico. Some Pepe Sylvia shit. Some Pepe Sylvia shit. Carol! <laughs> uh, they were ready to make arrests. So, takedown day was February 15th, when dozens of officers from several SWAT teams, along with federal agents, prepared for raids against Rubio and his accomplices. Some were low-level drug dealers selling fentanyl to pay for their own drug habits. Others were Rubio's friends and relatives. Look, they're just trying to get by. They're trying to get by. To whom he paid a fraction of his proceeds. Agents planned to conduct more than nine raids across Utah, uh, many of them at the same time. The DEA flew several aircraft over, overhead. The agents discussed what would happen if Rubio tried to shoot his way out or if he tried to flee into the suburbs. They arrived at Rubio's suburban home just before sunrise on a clear, crisp morning. That's the best time for a raid, I've always oh, said. Right in the morning. Right in the morning. What is that, the golden hour? Is that what Magic hour. Magic hour? Magic hour is in the evening, though, when you're filming. Oh, okay. The sun's just right. Uh, I forgot you were a director. Yeah, don't forget again. They, they fired a stun grenade upon entering Write the house. Write it down. Thank you. <laughs> they dragged Rubio uh, in his pajamas from his bedroom without a fight. Uh, he was charged with conspiracy to distribute fentanyl. That's the only reason to wear pajamas is just if you just get arrested first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like uh, at least, you know, because I would just be walked out in boxers. Yeah. It'd be actually more embarrassing. That's why I wear nothing. So I'm like, if you're going to if you're gonna arrest me, you're going to have to see it all. Yeah. And that's yeah. on you. I got to cover up my scaly Not paint. on me. <laughs> yeah, you need to keep that thing covered. <laughs> you can't have air hitting that directly. No. God, no. <laughs> Chase, chase. Uh, who the hell knows what that would do? Uh, you could create like gremlins. Like you, that's how that. That's how gremlins are made. Yeah, but I have to wear boxers. I might start wearing pajamas though. There's no reason to arrest me, but I've heard that you can't get water on your scrotum or else. <laughs> Same thing happens that happened to Mogwai. Just to be safe. <laughs> uh, and oh, you can't oh. feed your scrotum after midnight. Everyone knows that. Oh, uh, whoops. So he was charged Whoops. with conspiracy to distribute fentanyl and methamphetamine and conspiracy to launder money. He was also charged with unlawful re-entry into the United States. Uh, neighbors in the suburb were, you know, alarmed. Many of them armed themselves when this happened. <coughs> uh, one young woman living in the property next to Rubio's loaded her handgun and sat in a lawn chair in case anyone tried to jump over her fence. The DEA and like the you know all all these SWAT teams are there. And she's just yeah. Like, oh, I got my got my handgun. I'm good. You guys do your thing. My pink handle on it. Uh, the agents also raided the ten acre ranch a few miles from Rubio's home. By the end of the day, they had arrested twelve people, including Rubio's nineteen year old son, Carlos Rubio Acosta. Uh, agents seized thousands of fentanyl pills as well as cocaine and meth. Altogether, 17 individuals were charged for their alleged roles in a conspiracy to distribute fentanyl, 
methamphetamine, and marijuana in Washington County, according to a recently unsealed 24-count indictment issued by a grand jury in the District of Utah. The indictment charges 17 individuals with the 24 federal counts, including conspiracy to distribute fentanyl, methamphetamine, marijuana, conspiracy to launder money, distribution of fentanyl and methamphetamine, possession of fentanyl and methamphetamine with intent, intent to distribute, and unlawful reentry of a previously removed alien. Uh, it's crazy that you get busted for uh, the conspiracy to distribute it, uh-huh. the distribution of it, <laughs> and the possession of it. You, with thought, you thought about it. You did it. And the, you had the intent. To yeah. Do it. Like, you meant to do it. It wasn't an accident. Like, you were like, oh, I dropped all my meth. And someone's like, oh, I dropped all my money. You're charging me with the same thing three times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Government's going to fuck you. And, of course, indictments are not This guy needs to get fucked. Fentanyl. Fuck fentanyl. Yeah, fuck fentanyl. Uh, Of course, indictments are not findings of guilt. Defendants charged in indictments are presumed innocent until proven guilty in court. Uh, That's a ma'am. What's the word I'm looking for here? A little notation. A little advisory. Some information for y'all. This motherfucker's guilty. Advice. Information. He's guilty here. Rubio himself was taken to jail in Cedar City, just north of St. George. In July, he pleaded guilty to trafficking fentanyl, meth, and marijuana, and to laundering the proceeds. He is awaiting sentencing. Um, it's possible that he could be deported after his prison sentence, which is a much more dangerous consequence for him than prison in America, sure. given the money that he owes to the cartel. Sure. Uh, he left a lot of they don't, they, I, I From what I've seen, they don't just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll just call it square. We're even. You can just wash them dishes. Don't worry for about us. it. Yeah, we're good. Don't worry about it. You can just do some favors for us. What's money? But no, they the chop your head off and like put it on the streets. For yeah. See, yeah, chop your mother's uh, head murder off. your whole family. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, apparently he has a ton of debt to them. He owes them a lot of money. Uh, several months after his arrest, a Washington Post reporter walked into the Alvaro's Mexican food restaurant, the family's place. Uh, which is located in a St. George Mall parking lot next to a tuxedo rental store. No. If you're looking for fancy, if you're looking for a Mexican dish and a tux combination. Um, a middle-aged woman was standing behind the counter. I don't know if she was mediocre or not. She stood next to a painting of the pre-Columbian city of Teotihuacan, and she was on her phone. Uh, it was Rubio's wife, Maria de los Angeles Acosta. She was talking to her husband in prison. And she asked the reporter, do you want to talk to him? <laughs> and Rubio's voice then boomed through the speaker. Uh, he said, of what they are saying about me, 99% is false. He said, don't put me on speaker. No, I don't want to. Oh, God damn it. He says, I was living a quiet life with my wife and my family. That's it. Uh, he didn't want to talk in, de- in detail about the accusa- accusations over the phone. He said he would, though, meet them in person. When Rubio hung up, his wife sighed. She was torn. Uh, she knew nothing of Rubio's drug business, according to her. She'd been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2021, and the family Damn. had scrambled to pay for her medical care. So this dude's got, like, all this money coming in from all these drugs. And yeah. he's not even, like, helping pay her medical bills, apparently. So well, scumbag. She didn't think her husband would resort to drug trafficking to pay those bills, but she said she believed this is... I mean, she seems like a sweet, naive lady. Uh, she said she believed the U.S. law enforcement. She said the authorities cannot be wrong. If I trust anyone 100%, it is the U.S. authorities. Now, back it off a little like, bit. Let's ease back a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, 
As far as she knew, she said Rubio had been a struggling livestock trader, uh, but she did admit that he had been acting strange lately. He had created a policy for the family um, where they had to turn off no all- shoes in the house. <laughs> they all had to turn their cell phones off at home. Um, you know. Oh yeah. If you watched, uh, uh, you had to take the batteries out of your cell phone. Good fellas, like the you know just how crazy yeah, Ray Liotta's really, character yeah. ends up becoming. The helicopter. Yeah, because like this dude seemed anxious all the time. She said. Um, she said that she just assumed he was having an affair. Yeah. <laughs> like she thought that's all it was. Uh, she did say she's planning on divorcing him. Uh, she so his son uh, Carlos. He pleaded guilty to conspiracy to distribute fentanyl. That doesn't uh, look good for Rubio. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, he Senior. was he was sentenced in August to 15 months in prison. Um, the doc the court documents say that he was just following his father's lead and instructions, but he was participating in the organization. Uh, Rubio's own sentencing hearing is scheduled for later in December. I checked. There's no update on. I don't mm. know if it happened or not. Yeah. Um, agents found no evidence of a connection between his extended family's restaurant and the drug business itself. Uh, Wilson has left the DEA uh, at the end of this year for a job at the U.S. Attorney's Office. He's still working on the Rubio case, however. Um, Rubio's arrest appeared to have, appeared to have an immediate impact. The flow of drugs arriving appeared to diminish. Um, it kind of went back to just where there was like, the smaller amounts coming yeah. in from Vegas. Um but he knows that's probably not going to last. In recent months, the size of drug seizures in St. George has increased once again. This story was published in September. So, yeah, by the time, like in October, it was already back to yeah. a ton of it was coming back in. People love their fucking drugs. Um, so, that's the story of uh, of this DEA agent and um, old uh, Fentanyl. Rubio. Fentanyl Frank. But as a little bit of a follow-up. Uh, on the fentanyl thing and all this shit. So back in September of 2021, PBS NewsHour did a story uh, where they were given access to one of the Sinaloa cartel's fentanyl labs and spoke with masked fentanyl cooks on camera. Uh, And for a multi-million dollar operation, it is fucking (laughs) low-tech. So they use a handful of dirt thrown into the wind to gauge which way the wind is blowing, because one gust in the wrong direction and any mistake in the process could lead to death. So, like, as they go to start, they just yeah. toss the dirt up in the air. All right, we're good. Uh, one of, their finger hold it up. Yeah. One of the cooks uh, named, they call, they're calling him Pedro, uh, he stated, Your life is at stake anytime you're cooking. An experienced cook knows to look at the direction of the wind and to turn around when the wind turns. So just turn your back. Yeah. And uh, he says there are people that get sick. The process is very toxic, but the toxic toxicity fades. He says that an expert knows that towards the end of the process, you can go ahead and get close to the pot again. Um, so the operation that PBS was given access to was inside the western Mexican state of Sinaloa on farmland where the cook site was set up right on the farm surrounded by cows. Like, they kind of just have a shitload of cows around them. Yeah. that kind of, like, hides them from the police. Uh-huh. Um, the PBS correspondent, Monica Villamazar, Villa and a videographer named Zach Fannin were the two given access. Uh, they were advised to wear a respirator and goggles because of how toxic fentanyl is. Um, many of the cooks die just by inhaling it. Uh, the cooks work without protective equipment. They believe in a myth, though, that drinking beer will disable the high that comes along with being close to the Oh, substance. okay. So, 
all the video footage, like all of them have a beer in their hand. <laughs> they're just like out there mixing pots of shit, drinking beer. Uh. Um, the one cook, again, Pedro, he's a link in a chain that sends fentanyl from Mexico to the United States. Uh, the package of fentanyl he was cooking, which is sold as a competitor to heroin, weighs 11 pounds and sells for $15,000 in Sinaloa's capital, Culiacan. The further the product travels, however, the more valuable it gets. By the time it arrives in America, that same 11 pounds that sold for 15000 could sell for around $100,000. Damn. Fentanyl has proven to be a diabolical game changer for the cartels. Uh, it's inexpensive to make. It can be mixed into drugs like cocaine, meth, and other opiates. Uh, quoting Pedro here, Right now, as fentanyl is stronger than anything, a little fentanyl can make 11 pounds of black goat, which is what they call uh, heroin, and it is stronger than the poppy flower. That's why people gave up on heroin. It's way cheaper with fentanyl. So Monica asked Pedro if he feels any responsibility for the death of so many who have overdosed on fentanyl since what they are consuming is made by him and other cooks like him. And he said, uh, well, it is something that the one who consumes decides on his own. Drugs are bad and addictive. Consumers are aware that the effect doesn't last long, but they cannot go without it. Although they know that it is wrong, it's addictive. She asked him if any of his friends have died while making it, and he said, uh, actually, uh, so many have died for just such a few pesos, but we all like money. There are people who aspire to have better things, but the big money is not made by us. It's made by others. Many workers have no other job. It's a hustle. So many in the region are self-taught chemists working in, like I said, low-tech operation. Uh, they mostly used to be farmers until their home state became the stronghold of the cartel. Once run by uh, Joaquin Guzman, nicknamed El Chapo, who is currently serving a life sentence in an American prison. Uh, writer Ion Grillo, author of El Narco, Inside Mexico's Criminal Insurgency, explained that fentanyl and synthetics are easier to produce than crop-based drugs like heroin or cocaine. He said, you don't have to care about protecting those from those drugs, uh, like fentanyl, um, from military. You just buy some precursors, you mix it up in a lab, and you've got your drug. So the profit margins are so massive on synthetic drugs. Also, you can do it anywhere. So this has really changed the geography of organized crime as well. We can find labs all over the country. You can see labs for synthetic synthetic drugs on the outskirts of Mexico City. You can see labs right on the border of the United States. So with El Chapo now in prison, his three sons, known as the Chapitos, or Little Chapos, are running the criminal empire that he left behind. Uh, one of those sons was arrested in 2019 by the Mexican military, but was forced to let him go after the cartel barricaded the city and overpowered the soldiers. Damn. Uh, Ion says that Mexico has a dysfunctional justice system, and it not only means that criminals can get away with murder, and you have some states where you have a 98% impunity for murder, which means the cartels develop this power as the alternative version of offering security. Um, so they're, you know, the cartels are basically just running certain they areas. They want. PBS also, re- this is great, PBS also reached out to Mexico's Department of Justice, uh, but were not granted an interview. And it's hilarious to me that uh, the Department of Justice wouldn't grant an interview, but the cartel cooks were like, yeah. Yeah, come on yeah, in. Whatever. Bring your beer. <laughs> yeah. UIAB. Uh, Sinaloa is also home to narcos that manufacture fentanyl pills inside homemade labs that are run by chemists. Uh, PBS spoke with one chemist who uh, said that he's always alert as too much exposure to fentanyl, even in pill form, can be deadly. 
The chemist says he makes about fifteen or one hundred fifty thousand pills on a good day, which are worth about ninety thousand dollars in Sinaloa. How much he get paid? Uh, he said the same pills can fetch about ten or twenty times that price when they hit the streets of America. The pills are marked M thirty, M twenty, and M ten. He says that M thirty carries thirty grams of milli- uh, milligrams of fentanyl, uh, and then you know twenty, ten. Um, some inferior pills aren't clearly marked. Uh, so sometimes you just have no idea what's yeah. even in them. Yeah. He said the good ones, though, are... Fentanyl's what killed Mac. Or mid or Mac M-30. Miller. Yeah. Uh, a few years back, he said he made Oxycontin pills, uh, an opiate painkiller. Uh, today, though, he only makes fentanyl, which is much stronger and much deadlier. Um, since fentanyl is added into almost every drug in the market, it helps explain the cost of over 90,000 overdose, overdose deaths last year. So that would have been 2010. I think, 2000, uh, when was this story? Last year. 2021, yeah, so that would have been 2020, when 90, over 90,000 overdose, overdose deaths. Um, the cartel chemist says the spike in overdose, de- overdose deaths is the fault of local dealers in America who changed the original, original dosage. He said, uh, look, it has been known... That there are many problems in the U.S. People are dying. What happens is that people take our product and they put more stuff into it. They modify it. Our formula does not kill. But if you change the product, there can be a big problem. So the pills are wrapped in carbon paper and tape. Uh, the tape protects them from sniffing dogs. That's like bullet manufacturers. Like, look, bullets don't kill people. Yeah, look, yeah. We don't. You gotta put the it product the we're making doesn't kill anyone. <laughs> um, the paper hides them from x-ray machines. Before they are exported, they are tested. A pill that has the right amount of active ingredient has a faint smell of popcorn. The chemist gave PBS a peek at how they hide drugs in the back of cars, like we were talking about. Yeah. In this video I watched, uh, there was like an SUV with like the taillight at the top. And they just unscrewed that, stuck yeah. the bag in there, put the taillight back on. Um, according to the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the vast majority of fentanyl goes into the U.S. through legal ports of entry. Through vehicles. Nobody knows how much fentanyl in both gel and pill form is successfully crossing the southern border. But yeah, it is a huge fucking problem. Um, it's getting more, it's getting worse and worse around our area. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, because it's in everything. Coke, yeah. meth, heroin. Yeah, it's, it's some scary shit. Yeah. Um, not my weed, our in weed. But yeah, I thought we would uh, change up from like murder and stuff. Well, uh-huh. I mean, it is murder in a way. Yeah. But Bring some light to a growing problem. Yeah. Uh, it is just crazy how I'm not like, going to do fentanyl. You scared me straight. Good, good. You scared me straight. It's just crazy like how like the cartels control yeah. control some of the area. Uh-huh. Like just they outgun the military. You know, there's nothing the government can do down there. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So we got some stuff coming up. Uh, pretty soon I posted on Facebook. Uh, we have two shows coming to, that are going to be Spotify exclusives, um, because we are going to be using licensed music in them. Uh-huh. So the first show I posted, uh, is going to be the Cosmic Whiskey Hour presented by Raygun Radio. Uh, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> pew, 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 Awful. That's going to be, uh, my show where... It's just us making laser gun noises. It's just going to be no, me and Joel going pew, 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 pew. Oh, that's just you. Where, uh, I'm going to tell some stories about... 
uh, my life in wrestling, uh-huh. and then just like talk about some other things, and then play you guys some music. So I'll be drinking some whiskey the whole time. Hence, Cosmic Whiskey Hour. Wow! The other show we're going to not announce yet. Nope. But uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be the dumbest thing we've ever done, but I think it's going to be maybe the most fun thing we've done. Dumber than this. Dumber than this. Wow. Somehow. But, man, is it going to be fun. <laughs> yep. uh, but we'll have both of those coming out soon. So if you don't listen to us on Spotify, uh, you I, I don't think you have to have like a... To listen to podcasts, I'm 99% sure you don't have to have a premium subscription. Yeah. Because I used to listen to it all the time when I didn't have it. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. So it's not the same as music where, like, you can't pick what I you're listening to. I have a premium. You know, I'm pretty... It so gifted to me. if you listen to us on Apple or something else, uh, you might want to consider possibly getting the Spotify app um, just for us. Yeah. Because uh, these two shows will be Spotify exclusives just because of the music. So we'll have more information about those as it uh, is, as they get closer. I'll I'll have the first Cosmic Whiskey Hour out sometime in the next week or so, and then our other show, it's gonna be a good one. <laughs> uh, Wait and see. Here, like we so. said at the beginning of the episode, do just do nice things for people. Yeah. Be a be a good decent human being. Don't do fentanyl. Do Don't nice do fentanyl. Do nice things. Yeah. Uh, and this doesn't go along the same lines, but if you want to be nice, please rate us. Give us uh, a good rating. Leave us a review. Share us with your friends. Force them to listen. Yeah. No matter what you got to do. Time down. Force us on your enemies. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. Uh, tell us we're good boys. Tell us we're good boys. Mostly Joel. Mostly me. <laughs> Joel, give him give him a belly scratch. I'm a good driver. I'm a good boy. I can't. I'm I'm a. I'm becoming a bad driver. Yeah. I cannot drive at night anymore. That's what you told me. Yeah. You're too old. I'm becoming old. <laughs> it's getting bad. <laughs> I thought I was going to die Wednesday night. Uh, like three times. Yeah. So, but all right. Uh, you got anything? Before? Oh, you got a comedy show? Yeah, I you do. Got Man, look at us be professional. <laughs> Saturday, January 14th at Gators. That's the day after the 13th. Marietta, Ohio, 8 o'clock, probably, maybe 7. Mm. No, it's not my job to know everything. <laughs> You're just on the show. Yeah, I'm just on the show. I'm talent, baby. I'm not putting it together. I got asked to be on the show. It's uh, uh, maybe Ty Moore, I think, from Columbus is headlining, but Nikki's going to be on there, our friend Nikki Shreves. It is at 8 p.m. Nikki Shrees isn't her last name anymore. Ryan. Ryan. Nikki Ryan. Ty Moore, right? Ty Moore. Yep. Then Joel Gant. I'm second from the top. Joel Gant. Nikki Ryan. Yep. Timmy Evans. Timmy Evans, local guy. All local stuff for Ty Moore. Tad Hudkins. Yep. And your host. Uh, Patrick. Starts with an F. And your host, Pat Finkel. <laughs> Pat Finkel. Pat Finkel. Never met him. Or Fankel. I don't I'll know. meet him that night. So come out and meet me and Pat. Sorry, January 14th. Gators, 8 o'clock. $15 out the door. $10. Are you sure? I thought it was $10 beforehand. The post says. 15 at the door. All right, well, just give me the extra five. The $10 says, at the door. Tickets available at the door and online. $10 a ticket. Okay. 21 plus. You got to be 21 or up. Uh, unless accompanied by a parent. Gators Pub is located at. If you come with your parent, we're going to make so much fun of you. 109 2nd <laughs> Street in Marietta, Ohio. Limited parking is available. Come out and see some of the best comics in the area.
That's Gators Pub presents. You did it. First ever comedy show. Yep, I've done comedy there before though. So they're lying. <laughs> well, it wasn't the show though. I opened up for a band. Oh, this did, is the first ever. Comedy and I did show. an open mic. Yeah. yeah, I'm a trailblazer. This is the first show though. So go check it out. Yep. Uh, January 14th, Merritt, Ohio. Saturday. Gators Pub. That's the dad of the 13th. Yep. Who is your profile picture of? Uh, some guy from Kansas. Okay. I have a Kansas vinyl, and they they all look like that, but that was probably my fav- most favorite one. I can't mean to ask you, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, yeah. Some guy from the band It throws Kansas. me off every time I see it. I gotta change it back. Uh, all right. Smell you later. That's you? All right. Bye. <laughs>